I will be reading uh, the scripture this morning, and as you can see from the slide behind me, the passage is taken from the book of John. I will be reading from chapter 15, the first 17 verses. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Well, I think we need to pay Terry and Wayne a little bit more money for doing the children's message. <laughs> Look at this. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And, and actually, just sitting there this morning, I was thinking that, that God's spirit is, is at work here. Um, it just seems that so often things come together because God is the one. I didn't really talk with Anita this week, but this morning... This morning at home, you can ask Levi, I was singing, Trust and Obey. That's what was going through my mind this morning, through my heart. And you'll see, as Terry did such a great job this morning, it was so, so great to hear and to see. I love the visuals, too. I, I like the visuals. 
Um, I'm a visual learner. So as you see, God is bringing this together. Different individuals all doing what they feel the Spirit leading them to do, and we come together and we see that God is in our midst. So I trust that that's what we'll continue to see this morning as we look at God's Word. Now, we'll continue today uh, with John 15. And John 15, the vine and the branches. If you were with us last week, then you already have a little bit of an introduction, but you also have a little responsibility because we're going to do a small review. Yes, I'm a teacher. And so we're going to do a review, and our first question on our review is this. Number one, if Jesus is the true vine, as Terry reminded us, then what does that imply? Any answers? If he's the true vine, what is the implication of that? Say it again. There can be false vines. There might be false vines. So if Jesus says, I'm the true vine, there could be false vines. There could be things that lead us away. Things that we're depending on for support and strength and encouragement that are not the true vine. We're looking in the wrong places for that. Okay, so if Jesus is the true vine, our second question is, then how is it that we can know we are connected to the true vine? How do we know if we're connected to the true vine? Yeah, one way is that we're going to be bearing fruit. So we need, to, we need to test the fruit and we need to test the vine. So we need to look at that fruit and we test the vine and we test the fruit. We say, what kind of vine am I attached to? Am I attached to the true vine or am I attached to something else where I'm getting my, my strength, my support, my encouragement, my energy? Okay? And we also can test the fruit. Now, third question, how do we test that fruit? We said that there are two different things that we can do to test the fruit. We're looking at two, two standards. One is, when we're testing the fruit, we look at the fruit and we say, is the fruit giving glory to God? And number two, is that fruit, does it remain? Now what that means is, when we go through hard times, when we go through drought and famine, when we go through difficulties, when we go through illness and challenges in our family and our work, does our fruit remain or does it shrivel up and drop off? If it shrivels up and drops off, then most likely that's the fruit of my flesh that I'm trying to produce. And then when I get into a hard time, I say, no, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I don't have the resources, right? I have limited resources. But God, if I'm attached to God through Jesus, the true vine, then there's unlimited resources and that, that fruit will continue to be fresh and be born in my life. And then we had a fourth question, and that is, God talks an awful lot about bearing fruit in John 15. So my question is, why is it so important to God that we bear fruit? Why is that such an important thing to God? Jesus says, if you bear much fruit, it is to my Father's glory. Right. So it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And that's the reason we were made. Every single person in this room, you were made for God's glory. You were made for God's glory. Everything we see in this world, in this universe, in creation, every single thing was made with no other purpose in mind but God's glory. If it's not for God's glory, then it is useless. 
It's nothing. It's not of any value. But everything he made is for God's glory. And so the fruit that we bear, it's not the fruit. The fruit is not an end in itself. The fruit is only to give glory to God. It doesn't matter what the fruit is. It doesn't matter if it's grapes or apples or pears or patience, love, joy, peace, patience. It doesn't matter what it is. But if it gives God glory, that's good fruit. All right, so that's our quick introduction and our review. Now, before we dig into the next part, I want to stop and pray. So let's do that. Our Father in heaven, this is your time. This is your word. And Lord, anything that is said this morning that is not yours, is not your word, let it fall away, let it not be said. And Lord, I pray that everything that is worthy, that as we hear it, that it would take a place in our hearts and our minds, and it would bear good fruit. Pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so as we begin today, getting into the heart of what we're talking about, we're going to start with John 15, verses 4 and 5. And I'd like for us to look at this together, and could we even read it together? Let's try that. I'll, I'll begin us, and let's read together. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is our key today. I want to spend a little bit of time building a foundation, building a premise that we're going to keep throughout everything I say today that must be remembered. And if we truly understand what this passage means, it can only lead us to one conclusion, and that is we are on spiritual life support. Do you understand the word nothing? I'm not sure we really understand the word nothing these days. If we try to live the Christian life apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So, I think we're all familiar with if you, are, you walk into the room and you say something to your child like this. What are you doing? What are they going to say? Nothing. <laughs> what do you got behind your back? Nothing. Right? So even as kids, we start to get a misconception of what the word nothing means. And as we grow up, we keep that misconception. We say, oh, nothing's as good as it used to be. Nothing's like it was back in the old days. No, no some things are, and some things are better. But you're right, most things are not. So we, get, we still get that concept of nothing. We don't understand. And when Jesus is talking about nothing here... He's talking about nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We can look and have this idea of what it means to be on spiritual life support. I think we'll have a better idea of this. Paul says in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, he says, As for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. You were dead. And why were you dead? Because of transgressions and sins which cut you off from the true vine. But then in verse 4, he goes on to say, this is Ephesians 2, 4, it says, but because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. So do you see that difference? We were alive in Christ. We're connected to the vine in Christ. We're alive. If we're disconnected, we're dead. Dead and alive. So please keep this in mind today. We are on spiritual life support. What happens when you take some off of, someone off of life support that is physically in a bad way? They die. Because they don't have what it takes within their body. Something has happened and within their body they don't have what it takes to give themselves life. So let's remember throughout today that you are on spiritual life support. And apart from him, we can do nothing. All right. So what we're going to do, and I want, I want to be very, very careful with this because we could take this the wrong direction. I want to be very careful. So today I'm going to present some things, but please don't see this as, a, as five easy steps or seven ways to be successful or anything like that. Don't see this as, if I do this and follow this formula, I'm going to be abiding in Jesus. That's not what this is. What this is, is we're going to look at the characteristics of someone who abides in Jesus, who is abiding in the vine, okay? So let's be careful, and I'll remind you of that. So first of all, someone who abides in Jesus, the person who abides in Jesus, will grow in grace. Grows in grace. And that goes back to what we were just saying. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We must understand that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. If we keep that in mind, and we understand really what nothing is, it's not our childhood understanding of nothing, it's what Jesus says nothing is. It doesn't mean, like, sometimes I think our idea of nothing means that it's insufficient. It's inadequate. It's not good enough. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, no, it's not that it's inadequate or not good enough. It's just non-existent. Nothing means it doesn't exist. It has no value whatsoever. So that's the idea of nothing. And let's look at Galatians 3.3. 3. Paul gives us a, a clearer idea of this. He says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So what he's saying here is just that. By the Spirit, is how, the only way we can come to salvation, as we even sang today, thank you again, Anita, I didn't choose you. You chose me. He brought us to himself. That's our salvation, is by his Spirit moving within us. And now are we going to go away from that, Paul says, and try to perfect ourselves by means of the flesh? That's not understanding grace. And we have to understand grace if we're going to be able to understand what it means that I can do nothing without him. So it is impossible to abide in Jesus without embracing grace. If I reject grace, then I'm walking away from the vine and saying, I can do it on my own. I can do this without you. So first of all, we have to understand what that means. And one way I think we can measure that, last week I gave you some tests to measure things. I'm going to give you another one. Are your good works that you do in life, as Terry was talking about the fruit in our lives, are those good works when you do those, are those a joy to you? 
or are they a burden to you? When you realize, you know, I, I should do this. I should go and help this person. I should call that person. Even coming to church, are these things, these good works that we do, are they a joy to you? Do they give you lightness in life? Or are they a burden? You know, one of the most loved passages in the Bible is in Matthew 11, where Jesus says, Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And he says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Give you rest. We know that, don't we? We know that. Continue to read that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is So, I'm not, I'm not real bright. I'm not the sharpest tool in the tool shed, right? But I can figure out that if my burden is heavy and my yoke's not easy, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. So as we begin to understand what it is to, to grow in grace, and if we're attached to the vine, remember the branch doesn't do anything. It's just a conduit from the, from the vine to the fruit. It's a conduit. So if I understand grace, then words like heavy and burdensome are not going to be in my vocabulary, but easy and light. Now, that leads us on to the second thing. If someone is abiding in Jesus, abiding in the vine, they will remain in the word. Let's look at verse 7 here. John 15, we'll stay in John 15 most of the time. Looking at verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. If you remain in me, if I remain, if you remain in me, let me get this right. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. If my words remain in you. So here, the person who is abiding in Jesus his word remains in us. It remains in us. Psalm 1 is a really beautiful picture of this, of what it means to remain in the word. So Psalm 1, if we look at verses 2 and 3, can we read this one together as well? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. So again, we have that imagery of a plant, of our roots going down deep. But what do we see here first? We see that this person meditates on God's law day and night. And the result is that his leaf does not wither. So he meditates. So when we talk about remaining in the word, there are three things that come to my mind. Remaining in the word, first of all, it means to linger in the word. To linger in the word. How, when's the last time that you felt like you were able to just linger in the word? 
Not to, not to glance at it in the morning and run off. Not to read the devotional or read your verse for the day and then take off. But when was the last time you were able to just do what he's talking about here, to meditate on it? Okay, we've all seen, we've all seen a dog with a bone, right? You, you, you take a, a bone and you give it to the dog. What does the dog do? Does he just kind of sniff at it and hang around? No, he's off. He's gone. He snatches it and goes. And what does he do with that bone? He chews on it, and he gnaws on it, and then he turns it over, and he gets at this part here and this part here. And he wants to just be in a nice, quiet place all alone with his bone, right? And he wants to get every bit of good he can out of that bone. He's not going to give it up until he gets everything he can out of that bone. Think about that with the word. Can you imagine yourself being like that dog with his bone in the Word? Where you're into that, you're you're not trying to read two and three chapters, you're just lingering, and you're just gnawing on that one verse over, and turn it over this way, and turn it that way, and you want to get all the good you can out of that verse. That's lingering. How do you linger? We're busy. We're busy. How do you linger? Well, number one, you just make time. Maybe it means a little earlier in the morning. Maybe it means a little later at night. You make time. Maybe you get creative. And these days, let's take advantage of the technology. You can, you can have the whole Bible in as many versions as you want right here on your little phone, and you can play that any time during the day. You can just loop it around on one part if you want to. You're out, you're doing your thing, but the word, you're lingering with the word. Okay, so we can linger. Okay, linger with the word. The second one is to memorize the word. Now, I can kind of fill this collective intake of breath when we talk about memorizing. Oh my goodness, please, really? Memorize the word? I've been doing this since I was in Sunday school, and it's really hard. And I, I agree. I agree. You can ask anyone in my family. I am not the greatest when it comes to memorizing the word. I'm just not. But, you know, let me say something to give us freedom. Remember what Jesus said? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, let's think about memorizing the word from that perspective. There is nothing, there is nothing here that says you need to be able to quote scripture chapter and verse. When did you ever hear Jesus say, well, in the book of this, this, this verse, chapter, he says, it is written. There are times in the book of Hebrews where it says, somewhere someone has said, we don't have to be that worried about chapter and verse. If that's really what bogs you down, I'm not going to say that it's bad to remember what chapter and verse it's in. I think it's fantastic. But if you can't remember the chapter and verse, and that's going to keep you from remembering the content, then forget the chapter and verse. Just remember the content. Because I know for me, a lot of times, I just get hung up on trying to remember which book it was in and which verse and chapter it was. Just remember the content. Just put it into your heart. Put it into your mind. And if you're lingering in the word, the memorizing will come a little more easily, right? Okay, and then the third one, third thing as far as remaining in the word is we need to apply the word. We're all very aware of James. James says to us, he says, 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if we don't apply the word, we're really not going to get any use out of it. And that leads us right into our next, our next characteristic of someone who's abiding in, in Jesus. Abide in Jesus' love by obeying his commands. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. We're still in chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Okay, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So right there, he tells you to remain in his love, and immediately he tells you, you say, how do I remain in your love? He immediately tells us, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. There is no way that we can get away from this. If you keep my commands, if you love me, you keep my commands, John, John 14 says. So John 14, just previous to this, Jesus says, if you, keep my command, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Then he goes on to say it again here. There's no way that we can be living in sin and disobedience and be connected to the vine. It's simply not possible. You know, parents, how, when, when your children are disobedient and rebellious, how much love do you feel at that time? You just feel so warm and fuzzy when your kid says, I'm not going to do it. No way. Why should God be any different? If we're living in sin and disobedience, there's no way that we can be attached to the vine. Cut off. So let's look together at Psalm 15, just very briefly. Psalm 15 says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, and who may live on your holy mountain? So he's saying here, who can be attached with you? Who can abide and dwell in your presence? And then, if you take the time to look at Psalm 15, it just has a whole list, a whole list of those characteristics. It says, he who does what is right, who speaks truth from his heart, who has no slander, who does not wrong his neighbor. So the idea is, if I'm going to dwell in God's presence, if I'm going to live in his tent and his holy hill, then my life has to reflect purity and righteousness and obedience to him. And then that's going to lead us right into the fourth one. And the fourth one is practicing God's presence. The person who is attached to the vine will practice God's presence. So who may dwell in his holy tent? Who may be in your, on your sacred hill? The one who, ha I want to abide there. I abide through obedience. And so I'm in his presence. You know, the word to remain or to abide that we're using here, it's much more a state of being than a state of doing. Right? If you ask me, Mark, where are you, where are you staying here in Lacombe? Your picture when you're asking where are you staying is not of me doing a lot of things. You're just saying, Mark, if I come looking for you, where will I find you? Where are you hanging out? Where are you? So this whole idea of to remain or abide is primarily a state of being, not of what I'm doing. Let's look at Psalm 92. Psalm 92 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now look at this next part. Planted where? In the house of the Lord. They will flourish where? In the courts of our God. 
we're planted, we're flourishing in his presence. That's the place where we flourish, is in the presence of God. Now we get, as we continue to talk about presence, I just want to ask, and Terry's already kind of broached this subject. He says, grapevines don't really grow very well here in this area, in central Alberta. Has anyone ever tried to grow grapes? Maybe you live somewhere else. Nobody's even tried. My brother in Tennessee, he grows grapes. He has a nice vine. Have you tried, Shirley? Were you successful? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, in the old place where the Kellers used to live. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there are attempts, and what you find when you try to grow grapes, I don't know if anyone has an idea, but do you know how long it takes before you start to see fruit on this vine? It takes a few years. In general, it takes about three years. In general, it takes about three years, and really fruit all together, fruit trees do not produce immediately. You usually have to be a little patient, wait a few years. And grapes usually come after about three years. So I want us to look at a really interesting passage in Leviticus. And this talks about the time that's needed when the people came into the land. If we can flip ahead here. And one more. There we go. Thank you. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years, you are not you're to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. Now, that's assuming that it even bears any fruit, right? Probably not going to. In the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. Now, granted, here what we're talking about is God is saying, trust me. I've brought you into this new land. Trust me. Don't eat the first thing that comes out on the vine. Wait a year. No, let's wait another one and just offer that to me to show that you trust me. And then in the fifth year, you can eat freely of that. But what I want us to see here is that it takes time. It takes time. So let me ask you this question. We're going to make this a little more rubber meets the road practical. How long did Jesus' disciples, about how long did they spend with Jesus? Oh, about three years. I think it's just fun. I don't know if it's significant, but I think it's kind of fun that Jesus' disciples spent about three years with Jesus in his presence. And what was the result of that? Let's look. The result of him spending time, of them spending time with Jesus, the leaders brought them in, brought in Peter and John. And it says they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men just like us, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So after about three years of spending time with Jesus, their lives are bearing the fruit that shows that they have been in the presence of Jesus. Fruit was being born. So let's look at what we have so far. Let's do a quick review about what does it look like for someone who's abiding in Jesus. Number one, that person will grow in grace. If we're abiding in Jesus, we will see someone growing in grace, realizing 
that apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. I bring nothing to the, to the bargaining table. So growing in grace. Number two, the person who is abiding in Jesus will remain in the word. That lingering, that memorizing, that applying of the word. The word will take root in us. Third, we will abide in Jesus' love through obedience. Abiding in Jesus' love through obedience to his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. They're really not. And if you really want to go back and see how many commands Jesus has, they're precious few. In this passage, there's really only one. And that one command that he gives in this passage is remain in me. That's the only true command he gives in this passage. Then the fourth one, practice God's presence. So I'm growing in grace. I realize that I bring nothing to it. So I'm remaining in the word. I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm practicing God's presence. So we have G-R-A-P, GRAP. That's not much of an acronym, really. You don't want to get a t-shirt with that. GRAP, okay, Bethel, GRAP. No, so there's something missing, right? What do you think that is? E, so E, extend God's glory. Extend God's glory. Look at this plant here. Look at this plant. Look at these plants here. What do you see? Do you see, do you see them twisted around and around and just clinging to the vine? No, 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 no. Look at this. Look at this. It just runs. It runs everywhere. And where is the fruit born? Where is the fruit? Is it being born right up against the vine? No, no, no. It reaches out, and it's bearing fruit here and there and there. See how it just goes out, and it extends the glory of the, this plant. The beauty and the glory of this vine is the fruit that's being born. And all of the fruit that we see on this vine tells us what? It tells us that that vine there in the middle, it's a good vine. It's a true vine. It's the real vine. That's what's happening. And now this is where we want to be really careful and go back to the beginning. What did we say? We said that we are on spiritual, spiritual life support. If we are on spiritual life support, if that's true, then how are we going to grow in grace? How are we going to remain in the word, abide in his love by obeying his commands? How are we going to practice the presence of God? We are not. We cannot. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. But, do you remember another verse somewhere? And again, I won't do chapter and verse because we're not going to do that. I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but separated from him, I can do nothing. I'm on spiritual life support. So please, do not see what we've talked about today as saying, okay, go home, these are the five things you've got to go do. No. If that's, what, if that's what we've done today, then we've, we've missed the mark. What we've done today is we need to go back and say, I have to do one thing. I have to stay attached to the vine. 
I have to remain in him. That's the only command that Jesus gives us in this passage. He says, remain in me. Abide in me. Just go and abide in him. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. You are the vine, and we are the branches, and apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord God, impress that upon us today. Show us that we are poor and needy, that we need a Savior, that we need a Lord, that we need the vine. Father, I just pray that you would well up within us a deep and abiding love for Jesus. A deep and abiding love for Jesus. And through that, Lord, everything else will come, knowing that in Christ, I can do all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.